0: Welcome back to the David Watson podcast and today I had the pleasure of speaking to Bridget for the third time and today we were talking about how to care for our elderly dogs, get them ready for getting old and a bit like all of us who doesn't get old. As always it was a great conversation I always appreciate Bridget's time and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Hello and welcome again to the David Watson Podcast. Thank you for coming on. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are
0: you? I'm good. I'm good. This is the third time I've had you on now, isn't it?
1: I know. I know. I'm becoming a regular.
0: <laughs> because you, you, you are my favourite subject because it's, it's all about dogs.
1: <laughs> it certainly is. There is nothing more to talk about in life than dogs, I feel.
0: <laughs> nothing of value that adds anything to your life. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> how, are, how are your dogs?
1: They're very well, actually. Alfie turns six on Sunday, so um, I must make him a little birthday cake. Oh, um, <laughs> they have done have birthday know, cake. <laughs> um, and Mabel was five at Christmas. So yeah, they're they're doing well. Um, they're getting very muddy at the moment, as everybody is so across the fields. But yeah, it's great.
0: Oh, cool. And ha- have you managed to put any more pressure on Hubby to let you have old dogs?
1: I think he knows that when I decide I'm going to get one, it'll just happen. <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, but but it, it's nice you respect him enough to play games with him then. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you see, he made this fatal mistake a little while ago. My husband's into drumming, and he had ah. a he had a drum kit, and he wanted to get he wanted to upgrade it, and the the upgrade was quite pricey. Um, and he made the mistake of saying, "Well, if you're going to get a copy, I'm going to get a new drum kit." And like, "Okay," um, but he's been and bought the drum kit. So I figure now there's no going back, is there?
0: I mean, I, he's a married man. How can he come into this like he's new to the game?
1: <laughs> well, it's really funny because a while ago, I think I was, I was going out and um, I, I gave the dogs a kiss goodbye and then went to my husband. And he said, you love those dogs more than me. And I just looked at him and I said, what's your point?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's a given. That's a given. <laughs>
1: Has it really taken you that long to work that one out?
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's just good to be have these kind of open conversations, isn't it so so we all know the rules.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm so very cool. open about it all.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it is. It's, it's just you know the family is the nucleus and the centre of my life, and as my husband, you're on the outer ring of that.
1: <laughs> He's in the circle. What more can you ask
0: for? He he is the boundary of the circle. <laughs> <laughs> So that it is one of the things before could we specifically today going to talk about um older dogs and caring for older dogs and there were a couple of things that you and I've previously discussed but not gotten into uh, and one of them was like when a dog starts going deaf or when a dog starts going blind little things you can do but before we get into that one of the things where I specifically follow you on um Facebook and since we've last spoken i've noticed a few times you've put up a post about the importance of letting your dog sniff
1: mm-hmm. yes incredibly important so a lot of people when they take their dog for a walk get really frustrated because all the dog wants to do is sniff every blade of grass and sniff every lamppost and you feel like you're not getting anywhere on your walk but i think what you need to remember is it's the dog's walk not yours you know if you want to go out and walk and get fit you need to go for a walk and get fit this is your dog's walk okay um but dog's noses are absolutely incredible they have um they have between 200 million and 300 million scent receptors in their nose we have 5 million so it shows how much stronger their sense of smell is and their nostrils work independently so they take in masses of different information and that's how they learn what's going on in their world by sniffing everything. That That's how they interpret stuff. They can tell what other dogs have been in the area, what sex those dogs are, what age those dogs are, whether those dogs um, are potentially friendly or whether those dogs have any health issues. They can learn all that just by sniffing a piece of grass. Um, so it's how they interpret what's happening in their world. And it's really, really important mentally for them. It's really engaging and really important. Um, so, you know, if you know that your dog is going to be really sniffy on their morning walk, don't plan to do a route that takes half an hour or if you really only have half an hour. Plan to do a route that actually would only take 15 minutes and let them sniff. You'll still be out for half an hour. Um, but it's really important for them mentally to be able to engage with their environment and understand what's going on.
0: Okay. So, so one of the reasons I asked that is because obviously I was curious. Interestingly, I've started doing something that you just mentioned. Is that I now actually have a separate walk that I often do in the evening, and I don't take Molly with me because I like to march, and she likes to stop and sniff. (laughs) I've and it was, it wasn't just because of those posts, but that's probably subconsciously where it came from. It was just like I, I I want to get more walking in as part of my exercise routine, and. Like I said, I, I want to march like I, I'm on a, you know, on a route march. And that just doesn't suit Molly in any way, shape or form. Um, but I'm, much, sorry, I'm just much more conscious in the first thing in the morning when I take her out. I used to always call her because there's always these like little clumps of grass that she stops by to smell and sniff. And I'm trying to get round just because I just want to walk around. But since I've seen those posts, I'm just like, all right. So I, I give her... I'm a, I am a bit of a clock watcher because I always walk in before I go to work and it's just like but I'm now I make a conscious decision to be much more patient and just, just let her have those couple of minutes before I say come on we need to move because before what I'd do is I'd just keep walking and if she didn't follow me I'd call her whereas now I actually stop and just let her have her little minutes couple of minutes and then like come on let's go and yeah, to, the, pretty- to the next glass, grass clump in the next hedge. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's so important for them because um, I think we get we get quite hung up on the fact that our dog has to have an hour of physical exercise a day. And we, we get very hung up on we need to keep them fit. You know, we need to keep them at the right weight. And all of those things are absolutely important. But their mental well-being is just as important as their physical well-being. And their walk is about their mental stimulation as well as their physical exercise. So it's really important that they can engage with their environment. And I think, you know, even though I know this stuff, sometimes I'm under time pressure. I know that. And I'll be out with the dogs. i be like, come on, we've got to go. Um, but over Christmas, especially when I had a little break over Christmas and I was out walking the dogs and they were just doing their own thing. And I was just ambling along a walk that would probably normally take me half an hour to walk if I was walking properly was taking me over an hour to get out with it. But I loved it because I had no time pressure. And I was just thinking, this is their walk. It doesn't matter. And it kind of reengaged me with that whole thought process as well. Because, you know, even though I know this stuff, we do get caught up in the day job. Don't well, that,
0: that's kind of exactly what happened is it made me think, hang on a second. Why are you actually going for the walk? And I'm going for the walk because I need to walk my dog. So, right. So so stop turning it into a walk for you and remember it's a walk for your dog. And now I go for a separate walk when I need to walk for me, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So that was the posts um, that you were putting on on Facebook. And I was just like, so I thought I'll I'll just ask. I didn't realise that dogs had independent noses. I mean, obviously, I kind of knew that sniffing and smells was important to a dog. But like you say, as you amble along in your normal day, you kind of forget why that matters. And like I said, I didn't know they had inter, uh, independent nostrils.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they work in, so they can take in so much information. And another interesting fact that you, you may or may not know is every dog's nose print is individual to that dog. So very much like our fingerprints are individual to us. No two dogs will have the same nose print.
0: I didn't know that. I think you might have actually mentioned that to me before. But that, yeah, because like I say, the thing is, we don't understand as we we try and understand as people what you know, like you say. Oh, we'll say smells are important to dogs, but we can only have our perception as that is from our understanding of how we smell, which for all other animals is quite bad. You know, we're quite poor of what smelling is, and we don't really because if you l- listen to people that do wine and stuff like that. It, a lot of it, what they talk about is reconnecting um, the senses in your nose to your brain because we just don't engage in that practice of smelling and trying to figure out what a smell is and what that smell might mean. But if you listen to wine tasters, when they talk about layers, perfume, um, I forgot what their proper name is, but people who do perfumes and stuff and aftershames, again, they start talking about scents. Um, in terms of layers and they talk about her in meaning in meanings and depths you know and yeah so when you put that to on the scale of a dog it, it's probably beyond anything we can imagine
1: yeah and if you think sometimes like if it's been raining for example they will sniff even more when you. yeah take them out. yeah she
0: does yeah molly does
1: it heightens the smells it, it really brings the smells alive for them when the grass is wet um so instead of actually washing them away it actually makes them stronger so you'll find that they'll sniff even more when it's damp and it's wet um because there's so much more stuff to smell um so yeah they love it i call it reading the wee mail they're out there yes
0: (laughs) yeah they definitely are they definitely are because i I do see that with molly sometimes she, she she sort of plows her head and you can just you can actually hear her physically breathing in through her nose and you're just like what is it? Of course, with me, I'm just paranoid that she's trying to eat something because that's what she does a lot of.
1: <laughs> yeah, they all do that. mind do. They're terrible. Even if it's not edible, they'll eat
0: it. <laughs> this is true. So elderly dog care. So this is actually starting to come into my life because recently I have picked up a prescription of Metacam for Molly because not too frequently oh. – but I just noticed that she st- every now and again, she stiffens up. Mm-hmm. And I f- I'm not sure if it's weather related, walking related, or just, you know, just whatever. And this, this came about because unfortunately she had to have an operation on her mouth. And I happened to notice that when she had Metacam, she was really on top form and, and really sort of peaky. And I was talking to the vet about this and the vet just sort of said to me that actually... She might just be starting to show the early signs of getting older, arthritis, maybe occasionally just get stiff. And after a lot of conversations, it's like, look, why don't we give you a prescription of Metacam? And with no prescribed dose in terms of how many times a week or a day, just if you notice she's stiffening, give, give her um, a dose of Metacam in the morning uh, with her food. And and for those of you that don't know what Metacam is, it's a it's a kind of canine variation of a, of an ibuprofen, and which is probably the simplest way to explain it. And yeah, and it works. Like I said, I probably don't even give it to her once a week now. But when if she's ever stiff, I give it to her, and and it, it just takes years off her. Yeah, and and they do get quite stiff.
1: And the thing to remember with dogs is that they don't show any indication of pain or discomfort until it's actually really sore. They're incredibly good at masking pain. Um, so if a dog starts to show any pain or discomfort, then they really are uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, dogs... How old's Molly now?
0: I think she's a nine or ten.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, she, she's definitely kind of at that age. The dog's actually... Even though they're living a lot longer these days, from a physiological point of view, they start to enter senior age at about the age of seven, um, because changes start to happen in their body from that age. a giant breeds, it's sort of five, um, but they start to um, they start to experience changes. So, for example, their kidneys aren't as efficient as they used to be at breaking down protein. Um, so they will they will struggle if they have too much protein. But equally, um, their immune system starts to, to be less effective and they need protein to help to build that, but too much protein is bad for the kidneys. So you end up in this real dilemma of balancing out their requirements as they age. And so you do need to be th- looking at things like their diet, for example, um, like their lifestyle. So if you do have a dog that, um, you know, has arthritis or gets really stiff. You're much better to take them for two or three very short walks in a day, rather than one really long walk and then they lay down in the bed or on the sofa all day because they get that's going to make the stiffness worse. So there's lots of different things that you can do really from the age of seven to prepare your dog for older age. You know, and I'm very conscious of this. As I say, Alfie will be six at the weekend, and I'm very conscious that we're getting to that point where I need to start thinking about well. Although I'm very conscious about giving him good quality food, is that going to be the right food to take him into his older age? Um, you know, he's already on um, uh, nutraceuticals like YouMove, which are really really good. But again, nutraceuticals are, are good to give your dogs before they need them, not because they're not you know they're not um, a cure after the event. If that makes sense. Yeah. So there's lots of things you can do to. To prepare your dog before they even start to experience these issues around older age, for sure.
0: So, I, I like because, like, I kind of in the long term, I got fortunate with Molly because being a, a small Staffordshire as well, um, she, she's not a walker. You know, she she likes a sort of twenty minute walk in the morning, and but if I try and did that two or three times a day what you notice is her plodding behind you and the lead mm. just extending and you end up dragging her around the field she, she's yeah. you know once a day but i unfortunately i have a big garden so when the weather's nice she likes to just sunbathe she'll just sit in the sun and cook and <laughs>
1: that's a happy
0: thing <laughs> yeah and she just you just watch her staring into the abyss and she's yeah. just like she just occasionally smells the air and she she loves sunbathing. She just sits, doesn't even lie down. She just sits there and just kind of half closes her eyes and dozes while sitting upright. And if yeah. it's if it's too warm, she yeah. just sits in the shade. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I mean, the fact that she can go out in the garden and stretch her legs and things it is, is good. But you're right. I mean, if they start lagging behind or they start sitting down a lot or, you know, sometimes they'll sit down and they'll have an imaginary itch that they've got to scratch and things like that. All of those are signs actually they're tired. <laughs>
0: that's how I discovered Molly didn't like long walks she just led down when I went on this walk and we got about halfway of where I wanted to go and she just led down and just kind of you know we'd only been together a couple of months at that point and she just kind of gave me this look that sort of, you can do what you want mate. I'm not going anywhere and she just flat and she stayed there for about 20 minutes I didn't try to move her, I was just like you know what? it's a nice day and I just led down next to her and yeah. uh, and then when she, she got up, when she was ready, but it taught me immediately. It's like, okay, this dog isn't for walking.
1: No, you need to listen to them, especially as they get older. You know, if it's too much for them, they're going to tell you. Um, so, But, you know, going back to your point about teaching them um, things that can help them if they go blind or deaf. I mean, that is very much things that you can do to prepare your dog for when that happens. Um, rather than wait until you get a diagnosis that they're going blind or you get a diagnosis that they're going deaf, because by that point it's really difficult to teach them um, the coping mechanisms. But you can you can make it into games and play these games before they end up in that situation, so that if it ever does happen, they've got a coping mechanism that they're comfortable with. Um, so, for example, um, you can teach a dog left and right okay now it's really easy to do you can do it from dogs or puppies you can do it at any age um and you can do it just when you're out on a walk with them and you've got them on the lead and every time you turn um you know if you're walking around, around the houses or whatever you know every time you turn tell them whether you're going left or whether you're going right um and they'll start as you do that regularly they'll start to learn what left and right means um and then if they are off the lead, you can then make it a bit more complex. You can, you can um, play a game with them where if they're running towards you, you can tell them to turn left or right. But you have to remember that you're doing it from the dog's perspective. <laughs> so the dog's running towards you and you actually want them to go to your left. You've got to say right because from their perspective, you know, so you've got – it makes it more complex for you as well. But it's a fun game to play with them. But, you know, if a dog is starting to go blind – they can use that as a coping mechanism for you to help to guide them for example around the furniture or if you are out on a walk you can tell them left or tell them right and it gives them that that confidence and that coping mechanism that they can navigate without hurting themselves because you're using something that they're familiar with and they understand what it means so you know people always say if your dog starts to go blind don't move your furniture around at home but you know, that's not always practical. You know, what if you have to leave house for some reason or, you know, so actually teaching your dog a different coping mechanism that you can then guide them around the furniture until they get used to where things are, um, you know, is a really good thing to do. And also um, zoning the house, for example, you could put different texture mats down at different doorways so that when they walk over that particular texture, they know which room they're going into. Yeah. Um, so all of those kinds of things can help dogs. And, but you need to engage with that process before they're really old and starting to go blind. Otherwise, it's much, much more difficult to teach them.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. That does make sense. Because like you say, I can, I can like you say, if you put mats by doorways, like you say, the dog will realise what that is as it enters a room. And like you say, so when it loses sight, there's that f- uh, familiarity. And what about when and dogs are starting to go deaf?
1: Okay, so again, this is something that you do before, um, you know, when your your dog's a puppy or, you know, at any point. Um, and it's actually really good to incorporate into any other training that you do, but you use hand signals. Yes. So you, you start to teach them hand signals so that, um, you know, they understand what kind of stop means or what come means or, you know, sort of, sit or down you use different hand signals but teach them from when they're young so that they they associate the verbal cue with a hand signal Um, and that means that then even if your dog's maybe quite a long way you know away from you over the fields and you spot something that's dangerous you can actually use a hand signal that the dog will be able to see to help to keep them safe but it's really really useful for dogs that are going deaf because obviously they're not going to hear verbal cues, but you can use hand signals to to work with them in that way. So, there, you know, there are lots of different coping mechanisms, but we do need to make sure we're teaching them early enough to our dogs rather than waiting until the problem occurs, if that makes sense, and so making them into a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that does make sense. That does make sense, you know, because, I mean, I think one of the things that's difficult... Um, and i I've, I've already experienced this with a cat i don't know whether it's fortunate or unfortunate but all of my dogs have kind of as they've got older had illnesses or problems that re- required them to be put down if that makes sense rather than they actually got they got old old but right. i had a cat that called squeak that lived until she was 22 wow. uh, yeah but it it's, it sounds great but it it just isn't because I'm sure she got senile and Mm. just would you could tell sometimes she was just distressed because she lost her bearings in the sitting room, you know, and she got very frail. And so I don't have, like I said, I don't really have any experience of looking after an elderly dog because um, all of the dogs I've owned, they, although some of them, you know, got to like 11 or 12, maybe even 13 they their health deteriorated quickly because of an illness so it was very mm. much can this be cured or not and and it was very much oh like you said that they they're very good at masking their discomfort so by the time it became apparent to us probably be it was two or three vet visits some tests and then a decision was normally made like oh actually this isn't mm. there isn't anything we can do about this um, so yeah. i i have no experience of like when I see dogs who are just walking incredibly slowly, what that must be like in the home either, because my dogs have always been bounded around. Yeah, no,
1: it's, it, it is difficult. I think it's, I think if you can proactively, as I say, from the age of seven, have it sort of in your mind that you need to be preparing your dog for a longer, healthier life, um, I think it then then sets you and the dog on a path together for their older age. And it, it doesn't kind of, might sound a bit silly, but it doesn't kind of creep up on you and you suddenly one day realise they're old. You know, you can actually work with them to keep them, you know, especially if you can keep them mentally stimulated, keep them young. Um, you know, I mean, canine cognitive dysfunction is becoming more and more common, but that's because dogs are living a lot longer than they used to. So it is becoming more common, but you can actually delay the onset. You can't prevent it from happening at some point if the dog lives to the old age, but you can start. You can do things beforehand to delay the onset of it.
0: What is canine cognitive dysfunction?
1: It's like um,
0: Alzheimer's. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's a similar, similar thing. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. They basically they lose their marbles. (laughs)
0: <laughs> do because well, that's actually what kind of happened to my cat Squeak. She, yeah. you know, there were times when she clearly had no idea where she was, yeah. you know? and it's and it's not just the physical side of getting of watching her get really frail, that she can barely walk. You know, um, it the, and the thing is that this went on for about three or four years, and it just slowly got worse and worse. To so the, you know, there, there's yeah, a point. And it's just- it it is because it's it, get, it got to the point where she was and i know we all laugh and joke that they our pets just seem to sleep but but she literally just slept that, that 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 was it she was just constantly asleep really and you just like and you you could see her physically over a period of years just waste away from um the kind of grace that she once had yeah i mean all, you
1: know old age is is I mean, it's really sad. It's inevitable, but it is really sad. But there are so many things now, so much that we've learned about dogs that mean that we can we can try and make their old age more comfortable, and we can try and um, delay the onset, as I say, of certain certain conditions. Um, and a lot of it does come down to mental stimulation with dogs, and that is so overlooked. Um, even in sort of younger dogs, twenty minutes of mental stimulation is just as tiring for them as an hour's
0: walk. Yeah, I can believe that. I've actually—I um, don't know what your feelings are on the matter, but I've got Molly a lick mat now. I mean, just because yeah. c- she she will literally spend thirty minutes licking it. You know, I've learned not to put peanut butter on it because it's too hard to clean off. Out of all the <laughs> nooks and crannies because, <laughs> like peanut butter, is one of her favourites. So I smeared it on there, a little bit of peanut butter on there, and it it was great in keeping her occupied. It really was, but it it took about an hour and a half to clean. Stick it in
1: the dishwasher.
0: I, I don't. I don't have a dishwasher, so. Ah oh,
1: right. Well, you know, go. no, you've got a lot You don't need a
0: dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. But yes. Yeah, so, so, whatever, whatever ways, because um, like a, a lick mat for me is. A very cheap option of um, it is yeah you can you can buy them for less than a fiver. you can just put anything on them really that's, mm, that, yeah, yeah yeah they
1: are they are really good um but yes I mean you can use those you can use um i don't know if you've ever come across snuffle mats, so no. snuffle mats they're a, they're a similar kind of concept but they're basically they're they're obviously a map but they're made up of um lots of like little bits of material but you can hide treats in the yeah. little crannies and then they have to literally snuffle to find out where they are um they're really good maybe not for a staffy if she's like my staffy because he's worked out that actually if you pick the mat up and shake it the treats go everywhere and then you can just pick them up it's much easier than snuffling and trying to find them so <laughs> so for some dogs snuffle mats not so great but, I mean, really cheap things you can do at home. Like, if you've got a cardboard box, um, you can scrunch up newspaper or scrunch up brown paper, put toilet roll holders and things in there and hide little treats in there and just let them get in there and pull it all apart. And, yeah, it makes a mess, but it doesn't take long to clear up. But, no. you know, they can they can snuffle around and find the treats that you have hidden in there. That's a really cheap option, and they love it. Um, in the summer, if you've got some um, flower pots, you could put flower pots out on the lawn upside down and under a few of them, just hide a few tasty treats under a few of them so they have to go and snuffle around and upturn the flower pots to find the treats. All of those things are making your dog think and making your dog work. Um, and, you know, that's all good mental stimulation all of that kind of thing. Chewing is really good for dogs. It's a really good stress relief. So giving them something that they can chew um, is really good for them. Um, Chewing is their natural way of reducing their own anxiety levels. So if you do have a dog that's a little bit anxious, maybe get some really good chew toys and things for them, because that will help to calm them down a little bit.
0: What would you suggest for... Because Molly is not much of a chewer, unless it's a bone... And I'm always reluctant with bone because of when they break. Um and she had a tooth abscess um in just after Christmas or just before Christmas. Um which wasn't nice. And and the only other thing she really enjoys chewing is sticks. And then I worry about splinters.
1: <laughs> it's really hard, especially for staffies and power what we call power chewers. Because it's like with my dogs, they've both got very strong jaws. I can't give them like a rope toy to play with because they destroy it in seconds. And I have to say, I really don't think there is any such thing as an indestructible dog toy. Mm. If there is, I haven't found it yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, I bones bones are okay. Raw bones are yeah. okay as long as you don't give them too often. Um, there is always the risk with anything hard like that, with a raw bone, with an antler, or anything like that. There's there's always the risk of a tooth fracture, um, which you know it is is all you know is, is when they're chewing something really hard like that. You you've always got the risk that they may fracture a tooth or damage a tooth. Um, buffalo horns are quite good. They're not quite as hard as an antler because they're hollow, but they do take quite a lot of chewing. Um, or you can get now um, like artificial sticks. They look okay. like sticks and they are for dogs to chew, but they don't splinter like normal sticks.
0: Okay. You
1: can get, you can get artificial sticks like that that they can chew on. Because Molly
0: loves chewing sticks.
1: Yeah. So look at maybe getting her um, an artificial stick. Um, you should be able to get them, you know, I mean you'll be able to get them online, but you'd definitely be able to get them from a good pet shop. Yeah. Um, and you know that that you get rid of the splinter risk then, but it, it's the same as them as chewing chewing the stick. If she likes that kind of thing, I find buffalo horns work well with my dogs. They really like those.
0: Okay, I'll try I'll try and get hold of some buffalo horns because I have to be mindful with Molly because anything you know, like the sows' ears and stuff like that, anything it's no good because she just just tries to swallow it whole. <laughs> You know, so you just like, you know, anything that has that kind of like, le- I know that there's sometimes um, controversy because they're bleached and stuff like that. But when I, if I try and give her any form of edible chew, she, it doesn't matter how big it is, she tries t- to swallow it. And I've had to pull things out of her mouth because they, they're that big, they're choking her because she's just mm. like, I'll just see if I can swallow it. Um, and so I have to, uh, even if I, if I give her a dentist stick, I have to cut it into pieces. Otherwise, she'll try and swallow it whole. <laughs> she won't, she won't like, chew it. <laughs> it's
1: like, how fast can
0: I eat this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's more like watching a catfish when they try and c- just suck up whatever they've, they've noticed below their mouth. And yeah. if I give her a stick, and I don't now because it, the risks, you know, like I've physically had to pull them out of her throat is because she will try she's not chewing it she's trying to break it into a piece
1: mm. and
0: you can see her just trying to actually crush it in such a way that she can turn it around and swallow it and it's just like no have
1: you tried her with so one of the other things that that you could Pencil lick <laughs> <laughs> yeah is uh ears have you tried rabbit's ears? I've not, no. Because no. if you buy um, rabbit's ears, they um, it sounds awful, but if yeah. you buy rabbit's ears, they've usually still got the fur on them. Okay. Um, and they do have to chew those and work really hard. And I think because they're quite big, she'd probably struggle to swallow, try and swallow that hole. Um, so it might be worse, Might well. I mean, she might succeed. <laughs> it sounds like she's going to be a good guess.
0: <laughs> well, this is a problem is it's not that it's not just that she tries to swallow things whole It's that she doesn't succeed. And it's then caught in her, in her throat. And I yeah. have to ha- physically put my hand in her mouth and hope I can pull it out because it's physically choking her. So you can't like give her something. And like, if if you give her anything that she might swallow whole, you actually have to watch. The only thing she's good with is sticks and bones for whatever reason, she doesn't try to swallow them. Even when, like, she eats a bone all the way down to the knuckle, she doesn't try to swallow it. She would eventually leave the knuckle alone.
1: Yeah. I'd go for a buffalo horn because they're not as hard um, because they are hollow. So they're not as hard as a bone or a or an antler. Um, yeah. So you've got less risk of tooth damage. But they are, you know, I mean, there's no way she could, because they're quite big, there's no way yeah. she'd be able to swallow that um so it might be worth trying that um, okay. but yeah mental stimulation definitely is the way to go and like i say there's there's lots of different things that you can do that are really cheap that you can make at home that you know don't have to be expensive um and um you know the the dogs love it they really enjoy it
0: as the dog gets older what what sort of things should people start looking for in terms of of their care
1: so I think you need to start, I mean, certainly nutrition is something you need to pay a lot of attention to um, because, because as I say, that because their kidneys start to be less efficient, they can't break down and process protein as well. So you need to be looking to make sure you've got them on a diet that has got a high-quality protein but not, a high quantity of protein, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you want a good quality protein. So you want proper meat, not meat derivatives. Um, but also you want to get some carbohydrate in there as well. Um, so things like, um, obviously, as I say, good quality meat, but eggs, fish. Um, but then you could mix it with some rice or some pasta or some, you know, some some good quality carbs. Um, But, you know, certainly be aware if if you are buying them a prepared food, whether it be a kibble, whether it be a wet food, um, make sure that you understand what's in it and the quantity of protein and what makes up that protein, um, because that's that's really, really important. Um, But it's things, you know, so I think that's important. I think another thing that people tend to not consider when dogs get older is their grooming regime. Yes. So, you know, your dog may, depending on your breed of dog, but they may go to a groomer's every eight to ten weeks and have you know be fully clipped off, and that may take a couple of hours. But as they get older, that's a long time for them to stand on a grooming table, and if a dog is starting to suffer a little bit from dementia, that's going to be very, very stressful for them. So you might want to start working with your groomer to look at doing slightly differently so it might be that you take them in one day for the bath and and the dry and they perhaps go back a couple of days later to be clipped off or maybe you just take them in more regularly so that actually their coat hasn't grown as much therefore it's a much quicker process so instead of taking them every eight to ten weeks and it taking two hours perhaps you take them every four to five weeks and it only takes just over an hour an hour and a quarter um so thinking about you know changing their routines to accommodate their requirements rather than well they've always been groomed every eight weeks and you know but that's a long time for a dog to stand still and especially a dog that's perhaps got arthritis or they've got sore joints of any you know some sort or like i say they've got a a, a bit of doggy dementia then um you know that's that's a lot for them to cope with in one go um, thinking about what time of day you can have your grooming appointment. You know, if your dog is a little bit stiff and a little bit sore, you probably want to take them to be groomed fairly early in the day so that they haven't got all the stresses of the day and being, um, you know, pottering around all day, um, building up before they then have to go and stand on the grooming table. So little things like that can really help them to cope as well by by adjusting their routine and adjusting the structure but you know if you've got a groomer that you you know you've got a good partnership with they'll be more than happy to talk through a new plan for your dog and how best to accommodate that um
0: here's one that won't apply to everybody but it applies in my house what's the best way or what would you suggest i start thinking about when Molly can no longer jump onto the furniture? Ramps. Ramps.
1: Ramps. You okay. can buy little ramps, um, or you could make one. But yeah, just a little ramp that she can walk up to get up onto the sofa. My dog's on the sofa. You know, they're...
0: But you know what I mean, don't you? There's two, there's two types of dog owners. There's th- dog owners where, probably like you and I, where we, we live in the dog's house, and we're grateful <laughs> for that. And there's... Dog, there's dog people that their dogs live in specific areas and they never leave the floor
1: yeah i'm definitely in in first camp um, So, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah ramps are the easiest way to go to be honest uh be careful with stairs as they get older because they do struggle with stairs um that's that's quite a difficult one. Um, you know, if your dog does come upstairs and, and sleep with you, it, if they're small enough for you to carry them up the stairs, then great. If not, you need to kind of try and make sure that they take the stairs really slowly. Um, so just allow them more time to get up the stairs. Um, a bit like us, really. We struggle to get up the stairs as we get older. They're going to struggle to get up the stairs.
0: Yeah, no, Molly does come upstairs. In fact, the only problem I have with Molly when it comes to stairs is in the morning because she knows she's going to get fed. She gets excited. And I have to make sure I walk in front of her because she start yeah, well, getting overexcited and she would start trying to run down the stairs. And where her little Staffordshire legs don't quite connect properly, she then took a tumble a couple of times and just landed at the bottom of the stairs. And I was like... God, this is going to cost a fortune in vet bills. Because she did, like, three or four times, she's tumbled down the stairs, just where she's got excited, and she kind of revs herself up, and then just flies down the stairs. And it's, it's even if she's... Sometimes you get to the top of the stairs, uh, the top of the stairs, she'll have a little scratch and stuff before she... Will. I have to wait for her, or we'll call her, because I can't let her get excited, because she mm. will charge down the stairs, and her legs just aren't big enough... And she just, and she then actually physically tumbles. And she doesn't care when she hits the bottom. She just like shakes it off and goes running into the kitchen and just sits there, like, come on, mate, breakfast time. Yeah. And
1: it's really strange, actually, because um, one of my dogs, Mabel, although she is only five, she does have arthritis in her hips already. So I'm very careful with her with the stairs. And we've actually got stair gates so that she can come upstairs but only when I'm with her and I can control it. Yeah. Um, So it's not open for her to decide to wander up the stairs on her own. It's only when I'm, you know, when I'm there and I can control the pace that she goes up or she comes down. Um, So we have stair gates there so that we can manage how often she's going up the stairs and things. Um, But yeah, I mean, when it comes to furniture, ramps are the easiest thing to do. Um,
0: I have a friend who has a dash hound and she has like a, um, it's like a sponge stairway and it, it's just <laughs> tiny little steps and it's so her dash yeah. can climb up onto the sofa and not, because apparently the like about if they jump, they can risk hurting their back quite bad. Yeah. Well,
1: because they've got such long backs, there's, um, they're actually, I mean, the, the, the technical term for it is they're a chondroplastic, which basically means they've got really long backs. Yeah. And that means that they can actually, if they jump can actually seriously damage their spine um so yeah dog, dogs like that need, do need to be able to have some assistance up and down it's like and also thinking about you know going back to sort of older dogs as well um you might want to ramp to get them into the car you know if, yeah. you, if you're at the car you might want to use a ramp then because again jumping up and down from the boot can be really painful and sore for them if they've got sore joints um, so yeah ramps are the way to go
0: are there anything we should consider in terms of like body temperature
1: the only thing really i think to think about is obviously when it's cold and it's damp they're going to be more stiff if they've got arthritis so you may have a dog that perhaps you've never really needed to put a coat on them before but as they get older you might want to start putting a coat on them trying to keep those areas that you know you know they have got sort of you know arthritis in their hips making sure you've got a coat that's that's long enough that keeps their keeps their hips warm um you know if it's raining make sure that you, you put a coat on them to try and keep them dry um but indoors because you know because we all live in central majority of people now live in centrally heated houses and dogs are living indoors yeah actually there shouldn't be there shouldn't really be any need for any adjustments indoors with regard to their you know their temperature. But it's more about when you go out with them, making sure that, that they can be kept warm and without the walk.
0: Would there be any, I suppose there's the cognitive issues, but would, would you expect to see any um, changes in behaviour?
1: Yeah, you can. I mean, any dog that is in pain can, can change their behaviour. So it might be that you don't realise that they're in pain, but they might suddenly get a little bit snappy. Um, or perhaps a dog that's going deaf and you might not realise they're going deaf, you might find that actually you go and touch them when they're sleeping on the sofa or something and suddenly they're startled and they might snap or growl, but that's because you've startled them. Um, All of those are little indications that, you know, if they haven't always been like that, that perhaps something's a little bit off. Um, Or, you know, even things like if a dog is feeling a little bit stiff and sore, they just might not want to come out of their bed in the morning
0: yeah yeah, we all know that one
1: (laughs) they might be a bit slower to get up in the morning um or you know they might be a bit more reluctant to go out for a walk whereas normally they're at the door wanting to go for a walk suddenly they just don't seem very interested in going for a walk um and things you know as i mentioned earlier to look out for when you're actually walking them is are they getting left behind are they sitting down a lot are they suddenly developing these imaginary itches where they have to keep sitting down and scratching um all of those are signs that, you know, potentially they're they're tired or they, they've got some pain or discomfort. But certainly dogs that are in pain, you 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 will see behavioural changes. And I think sometimes people kind of just go, oh, he's old and grumpy. We may be old and grumpy, yeah. <laughs> but there may also be some pain or discomfort going on underneath and you really should get that investigated, um, rather than just assume he's old and grumpy. Um, yeah. Because you've got something else leading to that. Um, if dogs go off their food, that should be a bit of a red flag, really, especially if it's a dog that's always liked their food.
0: I'm guessing um, as well, there should be, um, it's, it's knowing as well when to start reducing their portions, isn't it?
1: And I think if you think about, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. If you think about um, people as they get, older and going to their senior years um you know they perhaps can't eat big meals anymore they like to have little little meals or they like to graze um and almost like i think you go from um with a a sort of a parent and a child relationship it kind of reverts in senior age so that the child almost becomes the parent if that makes sense yeah it's a similar thing with dogs i mean in terms of you know, when you get a puppy, you're feeding them four or five times a day, small meals four or five times a day, you gradually reduce that as they get a bit older. Um, But then as they start to enter their senior years, you probably want smaller portions, but you want to be feeding them more often again. So you could be going back to three, four meals a day with an older dog, as opposed to two meals, two larger meals a day. So it's kind of almost you revert to a lot of the stuff you did when they were a puppy. As they get older, you revert back to those kind of things again letting them out to the toilet more often because they may not have quite so much control um over their you know their bladder as they get older and therefore um don't wait for them to ask to go out because they might not make it to the door if that makes sense so you know actively taking them out more often to go to the toilet as you do when they're a puppy to toilet train them so you know it's, it's kind of like you almost revert back a bit to those kind of patterns as they get old.
0: Okay, so that's yeah. So that'd be something to be aware of, then, isn't it? If dog, if you come down, and you notice the dog's, uh, you know, been to the toilet a couple of times, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, this is an unusual behaviour. Um, it could be a sign that they're actually just starting to get a bit older and and need yeah. to more frequently. I mean, it could
1: be that they've got. Um, they could have a, a urinary tract infection, so you want to get it checked by the vet to make sure there's nothing going on physically with their health. But as long as they you know, there's nothing going on physically with their health, then it, it just means that you've got to think about readjusting their routine and readjusting their schedule to help them to deal with it. And dogs that get very restless as well. If you've got an older dog that seems to be a bit vacant sometimes and just stands and stares, but also they struggle to settle at night, they pace a lot or they maybe get a little bit vocal at night. That is a sign of um, cognitive dysfunction. Um, So that's definitely worth getting checked out if you notice they're a lot more unsettled at night. But again, there are things that you can do to help them to settle. So keeping them to a routine is really important if they've got cognitive dysfunction. Um, But also things like you can give them before they go to bed, you can give them porridge and make it with water, not milk, but you can give them a little bowl of porridge. That helps them to settle. You can give um, dogs uh, decaffeinated green tea, um, so you can make, make them a cup of green tea, obviously let it cool down a bit, but it needs to be decaffeinated. But green tea is full of antioxidants, and antioxidants are really good for getting rid of a lot of the natural toxins that build up in the brain. Yep. Um, feeding them things like blueberries, um, again, antioxidants. So there's lots and lots of different things that you can do um, to support them before they get old, but then as they inevitably do age and things don't work quite as well as they used to.
0: I'll have to do that with blueberries. I've not tried Molly, because I have blueberries every day. I've not tried them on Molly.
1: Yeah, blueberries. Some dogs love them, and some dogs aren't interested. Um, Being a staffie, she'll eat them because they eat anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just food. She'll eat
1: them. Um, But yeah, blueberries are really good for them as they get older.
0: What um, indications should people look for when, if you're able to say, actually, when you start to notice their sight going, how, how would you notice their sight going?
1: It's quite difficult. I mean, you'll notice things like um, they may be a little bit more reluctant to go places on their own. Um, so they may be a little bit more reluctant to walk around the house on their own. Okay. Um, they might want to stick really close to you because they're, you know, they're. They're aware that, you know, they can't see so well, so, so they're, they're, they lose confidence a little bit. Um, you might notice that they startle easier. So, you know, perhaps if you're out for a walk and you meet another dog, um, it might startle them a bit more if this dog comes up and sniffs because they don't see it coming. Um, there are uh, certain conditions that dogs have in their eyes where their eyes will go really cloudy and really milky but actually it doesn't affect their vision. Their vision is still good, Um, but it's mainly cataracts. If they get developed cataracts, then they will lose their sight. Um, But definitely if you notice that they're either bumping into things or they just seem less confident to do anything unless they're stuck right by your side, then definitely worth getting a vet check on their eyes to make sure their eyes are okay.
0: Okay. And just kind of finally, uh, just sort of to finish up, Where can people find you again and for resources and information?
1: So um, a couple of places, really. You can go onto my website, which is uh, www.pause-and-play.com. There's lots of information on there. There's also um, one of the um, little buttons that you can click on there is e-learning. And if you click on there, there's lots of different courses. I think I've got six different courses around senior dogs. Um, that people can pick and mix depending on what they're interested, you know, in particularly learning about. Um, So you can go on there and have a look. Or my Facebook page, which is Pause and Play. And if you put, um, I think when you search, if you put at K, the letter K and the number nine, healthcare, with no space, then that will bring up my Pause and Play Facebook page and I post um, things on there as well. Um, So uh, either of those places, or people can just contact me directly if they want to.
0: Perfect. And I can definitely vouch for Facebook because I'm always following you on Facebook. So <laughs> Excellent.
1: Thank you. Now, and now you know to let Molly sniff.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, I, I do. I do. Um, since I seen the post that you were putting up, I, I became much more aware, not so much of how much she sniffed, but how much I was interrupting it hmm. and was when I'd be. And it's just impatience because I want to keep walking. And and it kind of reminded me like a parent with a toddler. It's just like, you know, a two-minute walk to the car down the driveway turns into a half an hour game. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I just haven't seen those posts. So then suddenly it's like, okay, you you just got to let us sniff and, you know, not, not try to put a time limit on it.
1: <laughs> Lesson.
0: <him>. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much, as always, for your time. And I will post that up, put all the links in the description, and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to chat again soon. Yeah,
1: I'd love to. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: And that was me talking to Bridget. If you'd like to get in touch with her, please do. She's a wealth of knowledge, and I'll make sure the links are in the description. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Please do like, comment, and subscribe. But above all else, take care of yourself. Thank you.